podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk, Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, John Gibbons. Coming up, uh, we're talking to Tony Barrett about Liverpool's work in the community, just some stuff that we want to make people aware of that's ongoing. Uh, and also, uh, after 7 o'clock, we're going to focus in on the Burnley game. I've got Sean Rogers to go through, talk about last season's a little bit in bits and pieces, uh, which I recorded earlier this week. Very, very good fun indeed, all interesting stuff as ever. Uh, and also, I'll be talking to Paul Senior and John Gibbons, who are in front of me about the Burnley game. But before then, I'm going to talk to them about the Seville, Sevilla game, Liverpool versus Sevilla. The two-all draw is the first opportunity we've had to talk about it on a on a free to air Anfield rap show and it remains John it was I'm, I'm a lot calmer now and I, but immediately after the game I was I'd say possibly even disproportionately just irritated by this Liverpool side yeah. they, they sort of managed to just get under my skin against Severe and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why at times maybe the ground wasn't quite maybe in senses what you'd expect because they can see the, the soft goal early they can see the soft goal late and it sort of obscured a lot of the very good football that they also managed to play at times. Yeah, I thought the atmosphere was pretty good. I think you got to remember it's a group game, and when we remember classic Champions League nights, you know, we would, you know, we never really talk about group games. It's more about yeah. the knockout. So, for especially first half, second half, it got a little bit edgy as the team did. But I mean, that happens. But you're right; it's a frustrating one. I think they've got a little bit to learn in terms of how European football works and how not to give the opposition a sniff because they'll really come alive. And I think that was interesting watching the Seville team. Was that they 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 reacted to to events and circumstances in the game and 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 I think that is more of a more of a, a way that European football works in the Premier League. Basically, I mean, Burnley will they'll either have a go or they won't this weekend, and we'll just sort of have to wait and see. Really, they'll have a, have a game plan. Whereas in Europe, they're a bit cuter, they're a bit smarter, and basically, if you give them if you give them a sniff, they'll they'll kind of jump all over it. But I thought it looked like they'd settle for two, getting beat two one. And they, and they sort of thought, well, if something happens in this game, then we'll then we'll grab it. But if not, but then as soon as got the equaliser, they went on to try and win it. And I think that's a way of of hopefully a lesson for them that they can try and learn from. Really, as if the opposition have settled for two one, then make sure it stays two one. Do you know what I mean? And, and and we and we weren't able to do that. So frustrating. But as you say, positives in terms of some of the football was absolutely outstanding. I'm sure teams all around the world were watching it, thinking, will this Liverpool team look uh, look something else going forward? It feels a bit like everyone's on edge, Paul. Uh, I was talking in the office about this earlier today. Everyone seems on edge, which is, I think it's partially a hangover of the transfer window. I think, obviously, getting B5-0 at a gaff never helps. I wonder whether or not this, and it didn't feel like that, that like this at this stage last season, whether or not this has become a bit of a season that, that that's going to exist on an edge one way or another. Sometimes that happens, you know. There's 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 been you know there's been, there's been literally books written called a season on the brink about Liverpool and all that sort of stuff. I think this seems like it might well be one of them in that you know the, the frustrating to watch at times. They can play, be absolutely fabulous, and it's just making making sure in key moments. And when you don't do that, it does put everyone on a bit of an edge. I think everyone's on an edge because we've we've been. S- Hampered by the same problem year after year after year, and it's th- th- when you don't see when you come into a new season, you're always full of hope, and when you don't see the the, the improvements made in the areas that are, are blind and the obvious, and then you lose silly goals from the areas that you knew were blind and the obvious, even though you're in the Champions League and you've you you're obviously progressing as a club, and it's frustrating, and I think you know it, even at the ground the other day, it just took the, the slightest defensive error. For a lot of people in the ground to just get a bit on top, and I, I'm still, I'm starting to get a little bit that way myself. Where I'm just, I see so much football, you know, travelling home and away that that it does it gets here after a while. And I think you know, even this is the second manager we've had on the bounce, which we've sort of had defensive problems, and 
a lot of people in that ground have been sort of brought, brought up on Rafa Benitez and conceding very few goals. And at home especially. At, at home especially. especially. even further back, you know, Paisley yeah. and, and stuff Absolutely. like that, where it's just been, you know, 1-0's been fine. Even even Julia, you know, there's, there's so there's, it's, it's frustrating, but I, to be honest with you, I think you need to look around a little bit and, and go, well, who is solid defensively who attacks in our way? And there's not, there's, there's not that many. So I, I keep saying that Liverpool have to take the medicine a little bit. And, you know, we took it in a big dose last weekend at Man City. But sometimes you, you're just going to get done and you'll get hit in the break. I, I just think it's the basics of defending yeah. that people are getting the most frustrated about. It's the knocking off, isn't it, Paul? And I think that's what's annoying me. I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm prepared to accept, for example, the second goal at Watford. Um, that we concede um, people went a bit mad about and I just thought do you know what we play really open and sometimes you're going to get done yeah. the set piece ones annoy me more uh, the, the second one I, I, we will see at times this season but it's the knocking off that's annoying and, and that's what happens in both of these goals they're actually set up okay in both those goals in terms of there's men back there's a, there's a reasonably flat back line and you know everyone's kind of where you'd want them to be more or less they're not necessarily making the decisions you want but they're, they're in areas of the pitch where you want but it's just it's just not concentrating and it's not relishing enough you think that the kind of art of defending and the and the well we have to we, you know we might have to do a bit of ugly stuff in there but but we'll get to do the fun stuff in a bit it's it's the kind of you know the, the determination to do to only do the fun stuff kind of annoys me really the, I mean they all exist I think there's I think you're spot on John in that you know I think that the em, Emery Chan it's, it's not a you know, he's playing football. I can see not to pick on him. It's not the end of the world if you do sort of say you pointed out. I'm sure it's been pointed out to him by a variety of people. But Emery Chan for the for the first goal, you can you can see when you watch it back, all he's thinking about is all the boss that stuff we're about to do. Yeah. That's all that's in his head is we're about to do loads and loads of great. I'm going to nick this. I'm going to be. I'm going to nick this in a manner which yeah. means that I'm away from. I've suddenly, the, the, suddenly we're the, about five on six. Will be if I do this. And if we're five on six, I'm backing us to yeah. to to create a chance. That's what Emery Chan's thinking, and that's the frustration I think at times is that you're just sort of thinking, well. There's other bits to this. You don't just have to think like that or always think like that. It's uh, it, it. Yeah, it sounds like it's unfair, but you've got to be able to think both ways at times. Definitely, and they don't. And and the other thing from it is that they they never bail each other out. And so Emery Chan makes a mistake. Um, all Lovin's got to do is clear it, and then and then rollick Emery Chan, and then say, you know, you get get your head in the game. You know what I mean? That that's what happens in in other football teams. We've seen it been successful. And uh, but even Lovren Moreno could bail him out, and then he could he could you know give it to to Lovren. But they, they don't seem to they don't seem to have that attitude. They're not they're not the, they're not the cricket player who's, who's who's following up behind you know the the uh, bowler just in case he he misses the catch. You know they're all just kind of well he, he should do that if he doesn't then then. Well, what are we all meant to do? Yeah, what are we all meant to do? And there's not enough of that really. So I, I just want to see us step into action a little bit more because look, football players are going to make mistakes. They are, but first of all, we make more than most, and second of all, we're not we're not there enough for our team. We're not anticipating that it's yeah. going to happen. I think you know you look at the the, the, the first goal. It's an individual error, so people will go the system, the system, the system, the system. That's not necessarily a systematic error either. You know that's just an individual error, and they happen, so you can't go. There's going to be times where the side of Seville Zilk will carve you open. But if, if the ball comes across you, that front post, you've got to deal with it, you know what I mean? And that, I, when people go, well, if we have Virgil van Dijk, for example, that you, d- you defend corners better. Well, he's one he's one piece of an 11-man jigsaw there, you know. But that one there, where Lovren makes an individual error, well, Jürgen Klopp can't stop that, do you know yeah. what I mean? Because he's, he's literally in the right position. So, But the fact that he doesn't put his foot through the ball and where he should clear... No coach can do that. We spoke years ago about Jordan I getting to the byline, but there was no end product. Well, you were getting in the right areas time and time again. Brendan Rodgers at the time must have been pulling his hair out. So, yeah, 
Two things that struck me from the game. Uh, firstly, was Firmino upset at the end, uh, yeah. and the second thing that struck me as well was was their manager sent off a time waste and went two one down, which echoes John. I go back to something you said before, which was they sort of if they hadn't taken two one, what they'd taken was the idea of it's all right to be two one on eighty. I think it's fair to say, and, and or it's all right for two one because a chance will come. I mean, it is strange to see a manager get sent off for, for, for messing about like that in the context of being behind in a game, but I think that tells you the thing or two. I mean, I'm. I'm not sure it's time wasting more acknowledgement that Liverpool want to do stuff fast. And I think so. I don't think he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to remove time as such from the game. He's just saying, well, Liverpool want to get on with things and we're not going to let them. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think, look, I think we're going to see both on Saturday, if we're honest. Um, but I think from the first kick. <laughs> but I think there's going to be, well, don't let Liverpool do anything quick because they want to do everything and, they, and they'll catch it out and the lightning and so does. And so I think, yeah, there's, there's, there's ideas, but people are watching us and people are thinking, well, how does he cope with how fast Liverpool want to do everything where well, he's trying to slow them down, trying to slow them down all the time. So I think it was, it, it was kind of more of that really. But... Yeah, it's look. I mean, people people are going to be scared about us, and that's a good thing that people are scared about us because you know the qualities of the show, and so that's as Paul says, what makes the other stuff kind of more frustrating, really, because you, th- you we've almost we've almost clocked the hardest bit of footy. Yeah, we have. Uh, that, that that's it's interesting that John says that we have almost clocked the hardest bit of footy. For me, an upset at the end, Paul. I just, there and I, I wonder what that dressing room was like at half time after he's missed the pen in that context. And I thought there was a couple of slightly odd performances second half. And I thought Moreno looked like if anything he's trying too hard. I thought Mane and Sellers' decision making became poorer. And then for Firmino to be as upset as he was, I mean there was part of me that I, I even didn't see that for a day. I just sort of got off from the ground. It's a two-two. It was annoying. It was I was quite cross about it. But then conversely, I'm sort of going, well, it's the first Champions League group game. It's a two-all draw against the best other side in the group. We think um, there's still five more games. I, I, I'm not. I, I love my football is committed don't get me wrong but mm. there's a part of me here thinking come on I'll be a bit of a professional about this you surely understand this better than I do yeah well absolutely yeah and I, I don't really understand it myself I mean I'm sure there's a, a, a sort of personal pride thing in, in putting penalties away and sort of being the, the focal point of the side and I like the fact he's maybe took the personal responsibility of it but it wasn't that he missed the pen five minutes ago we, you know he's had a lot of time in, in between there I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. I don't know if something's just going to be on top of him or, or whatnot, you know. He's yeah. had his first Champions League night and, you know, he's missed the penalty. So, yeah. no, I found, I found it a bit strange, Neil, to be honest with you. You know, I, I said before the game, you know, you want you want to sort of win your homes and take what you can from the aways. Um, and if you sort of get 10 points, you, you're through, pretty much. That's how it is. So, I don't know if he's maybe overthinking it or what. But, no, I, th- I mean, there's... It's five more games to go. If this would have been the last game and we'd have gone out, completely different thing. On this giant, you know, it's back to the, the the what the manager asks of them, and that you know he's clearly you see him on the sidelines, and then you see him away, and the, the, it's almost like two different people, you know, and that's fine. But he, he talks a lot about emotional football, and we are emotional, and all of yeah. this sort of stuff. And it just looked to me like a, a strange little moment where you know, as I say, that that to me is the reaction to a game in April, if you know what I mean. It just felt like the emotions just got on top of the player a little bit, and I'm thinking, well, it's difficult what 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 he does ask of them, and that he wants them to be all emotion, all action. And Firmino was a great example of it against. Hoffenheim where he, he plays a great ball runs 80 yards as fast as humanly possible and then slows time down to put a lovely ball into Emre Chan and he sticks it in the back of the net but it, it, there is this sort of pressure on these lads isn't there to to commit, to give everything and then at yeah. times you want them to sort of be able to be the coolest people in the ground yeah you you don't want to you can you can want it too much in terms of when you made a mistake and you think um I need to rectify it the most obvious example to me is the um uh, the Chelsea one where Gerrard slips and then he has 100 shots from 30 yards out and you're like 
Stephen, just pass it. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. You know, uh, but but he but he just wants to make amends because he because he's 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 so upset about what he's done for the football team. And I, there wasn't loads of that going on with Firmino, but you worry kind of you know his reaction after the game because. But then you worry that, that, that how how much pressure are our forwards putting on themselves, and, and how much is of it is, is relates to the fact that they don't trust what's behind them, and, and and that can end up being a bit of a concern if they go into game thinking bloody hell we need to we need to score four we need to score five you know if, we, if we're gonna you know be certain of a win here because they've scored three this season and, and drew and drew so you you, you kind of don't want that on them really I mean I mean look aiming to score five is fine but but it shouldn't be kind of a pressure if if we don't we'll lose because that that you start snapping at chances you start shooting from places where you shouldn't be and and you know you you sense you sense with all our players that the well, all our four players anyway, the better for relax. I'll, I'll scale that back because maybe not Emery Chan. Maybe he needs to relax less. This is the Anfield app on Radio City Talk. Of course, we're going to have a word with Emery Chan and make him relax less. That'd be great. Uh, John Gibbons would be pleased. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking to Tony Barrett uh, right now. And then from 7 o'clock onwards, we're going to be looking ahead to Liverpool against Burnley. Welcome back. The Anfield app on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, John Gibbons. But as I said before the break, Tony Barrett to talk us through sort of both how the job's going, but also in general to talk about. And I, I don't know what you think, Toe, before you got into the club, but I've always felt that Liverpool don't talk well about what they do well at times. And it's something that, I, you know, I know Gareth's very passionate about the idea, you know, that everyone talks about what Everton do in the community, and rightly so, because they do loads of good work. But Liverpool do good work too. So we want to, you know, we want to talk about the good work that they're doing and, and what you've been doing and what everyone's been doing. So, you know, first and foremost, the club's been committed to the food banks this year. It's been putting work in on that, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work on the on the food banks. And, and listen, this is about the generosity of, of ordinary people and of, of our supporters. And, and the club is a... Is a is a facilitator. I just struggle to say the word facilitator and I haven't even had a pint. <laughs> but, but, but we have been a facilitator on that and we host uh, food bank events where people will come and donate foods. And, and we're very aware and, and, and something which it, I think a lot of Premier League clubs have, have lost sight of that we, we exist in communities where there are a lot of poor people but are people who are struggling to make ends meet. And then on a match day, you'll see, you'll see these superstar footballers in their area. You'll see this unbelievably opulent stadium which we all go to you see those brilliant facilities and their world so far removed away from that that it's almost untrue it's it's proper tales of two cities in the space of 150 yards in a lot of cases and as a football club i'm a great believer that you have a responsibility for your community you you can't just be uh, something that exists as a drain on the community that just takes everything that's good out of it and and never think of its responsibility. So Liverpool, Liverpool are very keen on that. So food banks is one element, and, and obviously there's, there's also the Dead Neighbours campaign, which is the idea of that is, is that is totally localised. That is to try and support groups uh, in Liverpool Four, where obviously where the stadium is, Liverpool Five, Liverpool Six, and is it, that been, is it straightforward for them to get all here, Tony? Sorry to talk over you there briefly. Is it, so it, how do people, if they want to, if they want to be a group, if they are a group in the area and they want they want to get all of the club, what's the best way they can go about that? Well, well, they, they have someone who gets hold of them, basically. There's someone at Liverpool who I think should have a, an unbelievably high profile, but just goes about his job quietly and gets on with things and makes a difference. His name's Forbes Duff. Uh, and in terms of community engagement, I haven't come across anyone better. So he knows, everyone at the food banks knows him, everyone at the community groups, local schools, residents, they all know Forbes. And Forbes is a Scottish lad who's, who's come to live down here, and he makes a massive difference for Liverpool on a daily basis and day in, day out. And he's one of the unsung heroes. One of the things is that I love the superstar players like everyone else, but working within the club, I'm seeing people like him and thinking he should be someone who we celebrate as much as any player because he makes a difference to people's lives. And that's something which I think we can all sort of 
we, we can overlook at times. We see football, we see the goals, we see the great things about football. But then someone like Forbes can be an unsung hero, and he should be a sung hero, if that's even a phrase. And So he's the person for all, and he, the, the job he does is absolutely magnificent. Um, I noticed there was, and it's just what's important about this as well is, I think that we we can all get hung up on on, on programs having to be you know unbelievably grandiose and with, with with unreal outcomes. I noticed one of the things that was talked about recently was, for instance, just the walking football thing, uh, which uh, got some talk in terms of just keeping people fit, keeping people active. But you mentioned before communities, lots of good work in communities. You say it goes unnoticed, and it goes unnoticed because it it, it bubbles along, and it's it, that's what. That, but that actually does can do as much good as much social good as the idea of you know a, a ridiculously complex sort of thing that that has that works over a three year stretch or something like that no you do and it is often basic things and, and and that idea of people coming together and a football club is probably one of the places that's better place to do that now we we know about the, the change in society we know not as many people are going to church as he wants it we know not as many people are going to pubs as he wants it all those kind of things that were there bedrocks of local communities are not as strong as he wants way but football clubs are stronger than ever and they have more resources than ever. They have more opportunities than ever. They have more contact with people than ever. And there's different ways of doing that. So you have to take advantage of that for the good of the local, local community. And, and there's lots of examples. This isn't just a Liverpool football club thing. Yeah. There are lots of clubs who, 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 who are probably belatedly, I'd say, realising that they've got this role to play and this responsibility. And I, I know you said the start about, about Liverpool should say more about what they do. I agree with that. It was... When I came in, I was one of those people on the outside. I was, Liverpool don't do this, Liverpool don't do that. When I got in, I found, well, Liverpool do actually do quite a lot of this, but they don't talk about it that much. And, and there, there are lots of reasons for that. And I think one of them is that uh, you don't, if you're doing good things, you shouldn't shout from the rooftops for your own acclaim because that's the wrong thing to do. That's always the wrong thing. But there's a couple of things with that. If you do let people know it's happening, but yeah. then they can get involved, they can make it bigger, they can make it better. Uh, and, I think and it, it, as well, Tony. I think people want to feel pride in their football team as well. Exactly. So when so when I see Liverpool doing something, I don't think, oh look at them big heads shouting about about it. I think, well, good, they should be doing it. So it makes me kind of, I wouldn't say support the club more. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but be a bit more proud to be a Liverpool fan. No, exactly, and, you, and that's another responsibility that you've got. I think as supporters, you you do want to feel like your club conducts yourself in a way befitting of a club that you support. You don't want it to be the one that's on the wrong end of all kinds of stuff and being criticised. You want to be able to walk through town with your head held high because Liverpool does it well on and off the pitch. And the one thing I would say is that is that you've always got to get the balance right because for me, the best way that Liverpool Football Club can ever make its supporters feel proud is by winning football matches and winning trophies. And that is what it exists for. And we can never get away from that. But if on top of that you can do good works within the community, you should look to that every turn. And I, what I found is Liverpool's doing a lot of good work, but there's still a lot of good work still to be done. But the most important thing for me is that the will for that to happen there, and, and that's something I found in the role that I'm in. There are a lot of people at Liverpool Football Club who want to do the kind of things that the supporters cherish, and when, when they do it, I think it is right that we let people know. And that, that process is now, is now gathered in speed. And it's, it's good to see because it, we, you do have that place within the city, within the community, within the global community, Liverpool Football Club got an image and it also should aspire to a standard to be the best at everything. And I keep saying is that if you're uncomfortable with, with people holding you up to the highest standards, you've got no business being at Liverpool Football Club. So when people criticise, take that on the chin. It's people who love the club and who want the best for it and want it to be the best. Take it on the chin, learn from it and try and be better. And I think that process is now underway and, it, and it, there's a lot of positives coming from it. So, has it been difficult, Tony, with... Um 
sort of getting the balance right between what's seen as a good gesture and people feeling like it's it's just PR. You know, I've seen recently a charity close to my own heart, the old McVeigh Foundation, they're selling selling t-shirts in the club stall and that. But then yep. what I what I see sometimes is you know people are very quick to to kick the club. But that's a brilliant gesture. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's not just there as a as a PR stunt. Well, I think if it happens for the right reasons, and and I I, I know Mark McVeigh and he's and, uh, and and I came to this late because I wasn't at the club when this relationship began. And, and Mark gave an interview to the Echo recently when he talked about how this has all come about. And it was it started off at, at ownership level. Of this, according to Mark, I wasn't privy to any of this. But Mark basically said that it was Mike Gordon who took an incest what he was doing. He had a series of incest with him. Uh, and it was Jordan that one of those conversations uh, uh, where, where it was said, he was asked, uh, Mark asked, Mike, how big do you think it can be? And Mark said to, uh, Mike said to him, how big do you want it to be? And that was one of those that said to them from there. It's grown. And, and what, I, I, as it comes to place and the people who've done the good work on this, uh, to date me and, and they deserve all the credit in the world. And, and that, this, is, this is where I see Liverpool existing. This was an issue that was important to Liverpool, that was important for its supporters. Obviously, you've got Spine Cop 1906, who carry the, the ban in Owen's memory at every home game. And so this is, a, this is an issue that Liverpool should be at the forefront of. It shouldn't be let other people uh, make all the running. It should get involved and lead and help and support. And that, that means that then, and, and this is the journalist in me talking, that <laughs> PR will then come naturally. You don't have to go looking for the PR. The PR is there. The PR will come because you're doing a good thing. So I just think it's that creating that virtuous circle. If you go looking for the PR and PR is your your big end game and that, that's what you're looking for from doing good things, you'll be caught out and that people see through it, especially in this city where, where that, I'm proud of the fact that we're, for me, the most cynical people in the world. We will see through any kind of ploy of that type. So you've got to do it for the right reasons and if you do, you'll get the rewards in terms of the respect that will come with it. Uh, just quick before we let you go, Tony, uh, is there a, is there a couple of things that are that, that are coming up that you want to highlight, or a couple of programs you want to just go, give a little special mention to, to make people aware of across the city? This is a radio show as well as a podcast. You know, is there is there anything that you just just want to get the awareness up for? Yeah, there's just a couple of little things that that I think that Liverpool do that, that that again people probably aren't aware of. Just to, again, I go back to the name I mentioned, the Star Forbes. Enough. Now people won't know him if they see him; they won't know who he is. And, and I wish they did, but I'm glad. I'm also glad that he goes about his work the way he does. Uh, but he, he does something on a match day, which is, which is about getting kids into, into the games. And it's it's kids who see. But the club law's got a thing, already got a thing, which is a program which sees 1,100 school kids get free tickets to the match. You got the nine pound ticket program, and I know there's issues with ticket prices. I'm not here to tell everyone that they should be happy with the ticket prices out the because I know the issues and the challenges on those fronts. But there is, there is good work within that. And, and one of the things that Forbes does, he basically gets sponsors uh, and partners who have executive boxes who, uh, who who aren't using the box fully on on a certain match day. And he says, can we use it? Can we can we use it for local kids who wouldn't maybe get to a game? And so that goes out to local charities and stuff like that. And I've been in a couple of times and uh, there, was, there was kids there from the local community around Amphil last time I was in. There was uh, kids from kids in need and distress, which is a very good Liverpool charity, which a lot of people know. And th- there's no big sight of this, and I can't say come and see it because it's obviously just the kids who are there. But, but just be aware that there are kids who are, who are currently getting into Anfield who, under normal circumstances, wouldn't be able to. And that to me is massively important. And the more that we can do with this thing, the better. Because I know about all the issues on, on, and challenges on ticket prices. And I'm not ignoring them for a minute. But these small gestures with kids who even a ticket price would reduce 
for various reasons, won't be able to get into football matches, whether it's Liverpool or anywhere else. They are getting in, in slowly but surely, and, and the more we can do that, the best. And I, just, I just want people to be aware that that's happened, because they can have, again, I'll, I'll go back, they can have all the concerns and all the criticism about ticket prices, and I would say that everyone's position on that is as valid as anyone else's, and I'm not here to challenge that, but just be aware that there is also some good work going on that we should, we should celebrate probably a little more than we do. Okay, uh, always good to speak to Tony, and we'll keep speaking to him um, pretty often in order to check in with what he's up to and how he, how he feels it's going, and if need be, what, what can be done a little bit better, what else can we focus on? So it's great to get him on, uh, for him to spend the time with us here on Radio City Talk. After the break, after 7 o'clock, we're going to be uh, focusing in on the game against Burnley, where Liverpool could do a de- doing a decent thing. Tony, are you allowed to do game predictions these days? Game predictions. Yeah, can you, give me, a, can you give me a score prediction? Liverpool win. It's always been Liverpool win since it was four. And I'll, be, I'll never do that thing where you cry it in or you pretend. No, nor do I. It's awesome. Now, 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 we're not, Liverpool. We're unlikely to keep a clean sheet, are we? So I'm going 3-1. All right. Uh, well, uh, that, that, that's the official voice of Liverpool Football Club there, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Anfield up on Radio City. <laughs> <laughs> the Anfield up on Radio City Talk back in a minute. Great to speak to Tony Barrett. Uh, this is the Anfield up on Radio City Talk. Back now uh, to focus on the Burnley game. And earlier this week, I spoke to Sean Rogers, and this is what he had to say. Sean Rogers in with me to talk about Burnley. Liverpool got Burnley visiting last season, and I think, I think it's interesting at the minute for Jurgen Klopp because he's now he's now on his third his third year in some instances of experience in some of these sides. And I thought Burnley at home last season told us a lot, and he actually gave quite a fulsome post match interview after Burnley last season when he talked about how they, you know, the the, the, the way in which they play. What you can expect, how you won't get any time. They will, they will hassle absolutely everybody, and they'll come to Anfield feeling as though you know it's not, it's something you can get something from. They got themselves a result at Stamford Bridge already this season. They, they'll look back at last season, won't they, Sean? And they'll think, you know, it was only two one. This wasn't a hammering. They'll, they'll, they'll be thinking they can, they can do something at Anfield. Yeah, the Ginger Mourinho. Um, it's. I always think this is quite interesting. I'll be interested in what you think. Uh, I'm not looking to overlap any other segments of the show though, Neil. <laughs> Don't want to wreck your show Don't right now. at all. <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting one. When, you, when you've got the confidence of the result at Stamford Bridge and you've had a decent little start to the season, um, you know, they've settled into the Premier League now, so I guess they're feeling a little bit more comfortable. Confidence is a bit higher. I'm always intrigued as to how they look at a fixture like this because, on the one hand, I think you can look at this as a completely free hit. If he wants to, he can be, you know, what, Friday afternoon doing a team meeting saying, look, lads, these have now got to go to Moscow and get a result. They're tired from the Champions League and a hammering against City. By Liverpool standards, this is licking your wounds a little bit by their standards. The crowd's going to be dull. They're going to be dull. It's a little old Burnley coming to town. If the time to get at these is that first 10, 15, 20 minutes, potentially. Or alternatively, you might go shackles off second half, boys. You know, the first half will be dull. Let's make it horrible. Let's feed into that. And then second half gets stuck in. I just wonder whether you're tempted as a manager sometimes. Because there's not a lot of times in the season when Burnley's players can just play. When they can just go and actually enjoy being in the Premier League. Where they can just have the shackles off. You know, all them games against the bottom 13. In the little groups of five and six games that Dyke kind of targets, as all managers do. There's a lot of pressure. Now, if they start dropping points in them kind of games, then they have to regain those points against the likes of your Liverpools and your Tottenham's and your Arsenal's. But right now, they haven't got that pressure on them. Now, I don't think he'll do that. I think they'll just take it as if as if they take it at any given time and play the normal sort of strategy. I, I just wonder whether there's a bit of a temptation I, there to just let the shackles off. I thought you saw last season with them, they were very, very strong first 20. 
And I think he'll go the same thing again. And he'll be able to couch it in the terms you've just talked about there. He will be able to say, listen, this is a Liverpool side that maybe just maybe we can, we can get at and get something from. That he might be able to find a way to, you know, he can have the conversation but still get them to do what he wanted them, would have wanted them to do anyway. Because I thought it was noticeable last season. I think it was the way a number of people were sort of dealing with Liverpool. Um was the idea that you you put your chips on the first half an hour and 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 hope hope that you're yeah. ahead and hope you can hang on and I wonder if that's what we'll get we'll yeah, get Hughes tried that pretty much every game hasn't he at yeah. Stoke yeah, and I think that's what we'll get I think we'll get the idea that first half an hour boys we are absolutely gonna we're gonna make their life as awful as we can we're gonna demoralise them we're gonna tire them out we're gonna we're gonna match them at every single level and then we're gonna look to to to, to get our set pieces to get Chris Wood in to to expose the frailties they will be feeling and thinking that they've got current climate. And I think the other thing you'll be saying, though, is, and this is a worry in general now for this Liverpool side, is, lads, if there's one goal in it, you're not out of it. You're not, not, they'll give you the chance. Yeah, I think think teams like Burnley be saying if there's two goals in it, you haven't got much to worry about. And that's the problem, exactly, is that um, it's a different problem, but under Rodgers, when we had Suarez and Sturridge, absolutely paired in fact, that's a bit harsh, actually. You could say st- any combination of Sterling, Coutinho and Gerrard at various stages were pairing. But look, Suarez and Sturridge were, were, were unique for a spell. And the problem you've got there is it's all going good going. You're not scared of not getting a chance against Liverpool and not scoring. The problem is the longer the game goes, the more chances it's going three, four, five, six because you're scared of the ruthlessness from Suarez and Sturridge and what Sterling, Coutinho and Gerrard were doing to teams. Um, I think with this Liverpool team at the moment, the thing that can give you that faith is, look, boys, if you go 1-0 down, 2-0 down, you don't need to worry too much. There's every chance that just as a complete surprise, a complete shock, a chance is coming. And their data analysis guys, if they need to boost that confidence, will just be putting all the clips together from last season and this season and saying, look, boys, this will show you things can just pop out of nowhere. You haven't got to be magnificent or lose any confidence on the basis that, Christ, we haven't had much of a kick of the ball for the last 15 minutes. Just hang in there. So I think you're right. Until Liverpool start getting... It sounds crazy, this, but until Liverpool either start getting the third or just sort of your Rafa-type 2-0 scorelines coming through, I think you are going to have teams maintaining more belief and more momentum than perhaps they, they, they should do. Or until you start to regularly hammer people be off the basis of all of a sudden they're thinking to themselves, we don't want to go and get a hammer. Whereas at the minute, Burnley yeah, will yeah. actually be thinking, we don't want to go and get a hammer. And that won't even be in, in, in Deitch's mind at this stage. You know, Even though he knows that Liverpool could play really, really well, he just he won't be thinking this could this could get unfortunate. And I think that Liverpool are either going to start scaring teams to death or just killing them stone dead and moving on and not doing either, just offer so much hope. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've, I've been in dressing rooms where you know, if, if we go two down, boys game over we shut up shop then and we see the game out we think nil nil even one nil down we're happy to be a bit more proactive a bit more aggressive a bit a bit higher up the pitch and I think you're dead right it's kind of Liverpool in the glory days I suppose uh, and I don't just mean like you know the 70s and 80s there I mean at times under Rafa at times under Brendan Rodgers if it goes one nil two nil, we have to avoid a pace in here because we've got games of football to win this week, next week, and thereafter. And we need confidence to remain intact. You know that's not what we want, and we all know that about United and and your cities and 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 so forth. And I think it's important that Liverpool do get that back. You know, it, obviously with your Liverpool hat on, everyone at Liverpool is just going to be focused on what we do and say, yeah, there's a couple of things like Chris Ward, a couple of other things that Burnley do that you want to keep your eye on. But really, it's about Liverpool doing the right things from goal line to goal line on Saturday and that's where their focus is going to be. It's just a bit, it'll be interesting to see whether Klopp has to change his 
I think Klopp's looked at this batch of fixtures like he looked at the last batch of fixtures pretty much with teams virtually already picked. And I just wonder whether... The results last night aren't too bad because... Oh, sorry, Wednesday night, they're not too bad because of two draws. But I just wonder whether he changes his team selection for Moscow. And if he's doing that, he has to change his team selection for Burnley. And also with Leicester as well. The two Leicester games in between there. And there is this, and also there's the Mane thing as well with missing Mane. We'll come on to that in a minute. But the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is it's fair to say whether or not it's right to say or not... Um, how crucial, how crucial um, Tom Heaton has been for Burnley. Yeah. Now, it's one thing that he goes off and the goalkeeper, you know, Palace have a load of chances, but the keeper actually only has four shots, I think it is, on yeah. target to deal with. He doesn't get the the idea of we're all, we're all going to be all right here. He might feel as though, well, I'm in now and I can relax and I'm, I can play my football. But on the other hand, on the other hand, he may well. This it's an opportunity, isn't it? If Liverpool can actually score with a couple of quite early attempts, they could rattle his confidence, and they could also rattle the whole team's confidence because they'll be thinking to themselves, "Oh God, we haven't got Tom Heaton in goal." Yeah, it's a funny one. This I think every football club you can think of has squad players or young players or or deputies who, when you haven't actually seen them play for a little while. Um, you bring them into a, a certain fixture and they can actually, look, these are elite professional footballers even at the lower end of the Premier League scale. Yeah. So they can come in for the odd game, the odd game here and there. It's not so much, there's an ability element to it, but more it's consistency. And we've seen that a lot. And and there's a lot of Liverpool players, Man United players when we're winning league titles who have gone on to smaller teams, shall we say, less successful teams and haven't stood out in the way that you might think they would. Um, and I think in this instance, any... Any result wouldn't surprise me in relation to their keeper. On the one hand, it wouldn't surprise me if the adrenaline, the motor, the momentum, yeah. the motivation, and everything else means he's just going to have the game of his life. Alternatively, you know, you'd rather have him in than Heaton every day of the week, wouldn't you? Yeah. And and he's Burnley's number two for a reason. So, like you say, the fear here is that he he's not going to have many opportunities to play in games like this. Realistically, so the first twenty minutes is key. If you can score on him, put him under a lot of pressure, make him think. You know, he's going to have a nice dream Friday night, isn't he, <laughs> realistically, for what he's expecting to happen at the weekend. I think if you can sort of pop that balloon and make life very difficult for him, then the weaknesses in his game could become apparent very quickly. But, you know, particularly, you know, under Rafa and Julio, we had a number of number twos, didn't we, come to Anfield at times? And, and also number ones who weren't keepers that we would necessarily rate off games of their lives. And I think, fingers crossed, we can start fast, take our chances, um and really put the pressure on them and him. Indeed. Uh, just very, very fast, Sean, uh, before we get back to what everyone else thinks on it. But no, Manny, um, mm-hmm. do you think there's a shift in the attacking selection in terms of does he go does he go with Sturridge or does he go with Coutinho? Does he go with Coutinho back in midfield? What do you think his, his outlook will be for that? Uh, in the summer, I thought these were the kind of games we'd see him go four four two diamond because at the end of last season, it yep. sort of worked for him and was a good model. And I thought at the start of this season, I thought, do you know what? He might fancy having a little look at Sturridge and Solanke. Um, right now, we don't quite know what Nick really Sturridge and Solanke are in. And I wonder whether he's thinking, get them 90 against Leicester and I'll judge the form then and then make them kind of calls. Secondly, Coutinho, we don't know what's going on in training. If you look at the game on Wednesday night, he looks like he needs a good 90 in the League Cup against Leicester, really, to get to get back into the gist of things. And the importance of the three points on Saturday is vital. So I I think he would have gone 4-4-2 diamond, potentially, and change it round. I don't actually think he's going to do that. I think what you might see is Coutinho going on the left side for Mane, and I think you might see Oxlade-Chamberlain coming for someone in midfield. OK, uh, thanks very much to Sean Rogers, and let's get back to everybody else. 
It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior and John Gibbons uh, with you now. After having spoken to Sean Rogers just a minute ago, you heard that chat with Sean. And now it's what these chaps think. But first, I want to actually want to have a little bit of a chat about Burnley in general, John. I mean, firstly, we can all remember last season's home game. Remember the, what they did and how they went about their business. Yes, Liverpool dogged out the 2-1 in the end and deserved to do so. It's an important thing to say. They had to work really hard. Because what Burnley do, the first thing they do is they ensure that anyone who ever plays against them is going to absolutely have to scrap in all areas of the pitch for 90 minutes yeah and, and Liverpool will have to do that and you wonder whether this type of game will maybe suit Liverpool because they won't be able to switch off or whether you know or will they have to, to fight for it you know after after a disappointing time in midweek you're hoping it's really the former and I think it's a good test of this Liverpool side right now and because as you say that they'll be switched on they'll they'll be jumping into balls and and if if Liverpool, you know, aren't at it, then then they, they will find it difficult, and so it's it's a good test for them. I think I think it's been interesting watching Burnley this season in terms of how they, they've tried to evolve in that. You know, they, they, they've looked to see more of the ball and things like that, but then they've signed a, a, a kind of giant centre forward who, who looks like a you know a real nuisance, and he's going to be a real handful for whoever he plays. And so, you know, the the, the sort of recognizing what they're good at, but still trying to you know move on as a team, which you kind of respect as well. Look, Sean Dyche has still still got one of the the lowest budgets in the league, and and, he, and he's still kind of up against it. But you wouldn't imagine many people tipping them to go down, and that's 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 a real testament to what they've been able to do. Um, Paul, the result at Chelsea uh, got a, got a win away at Chelsea. Uh, went to Wembley to play Spurs, which is a strange sentence, but I enjoyed saying it. Uh, and they got themselves a point there against Tottenham. My point is that th- th- any three points—I mean, in general, I think you can say—but any three points is a good three points here for Liverpool, given given those two results and given what Burnley did last season. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. but the, the thing you've got to consider, I suppose, is the sort of like I think they're the antichrist of the big side. Um, whereas I think maybe Burnley's problems lie when they've got to go and beat maybe what's outside the top six to top seven. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, if you're offering me any any form of three points at the weekend, I'm taking them um, for obvious reasons. But the, 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 these are sort of the side that I don't look I don't look forward to this game. You know, if you were giving me sort of Arsenal Tottenham at the weekend, I'd maybe fancy myself more more than Liverpool. And that's that sounds ridiculous in saying it, but it's just. It's also, I it's also, no, sides I, to have a go with us, you know. I, it's also that there's, 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 I, you know, Burnley, there will be action points in the game, there'll be a lot going on, but it's the one to me where no sort of, I feel a bit sorry for Liverpool and, and, you know, no sort of win feels like a win in that we're not going to, we're not going to batter them. No one's battered them. No one's no. battered them since they came up last season. No one's gone and absolutely just ripped Burnley to shreds and scored fours and fives. So we know. Those lads who go out and play for Liverpool, they're going to have to scrap for everything. They're going to, it's going to be hugely physical. It's going to be ridiculously intense. And then they're going to come off the pitch. And the most they can hope for is to have won a game that they should just win. And that's fine. But what I'm saying is it's a game for everyone, almost, including us on the sidelines, to just be pretty professional about it and support these lads just getting through it. And when they do say, well done, boys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That It is literally an, it's, it's a no-win fixture for Liverpool because if you do anything less than win, you know, you're getting, you're getting battered by the press and, and the fans. So... We've got, we've just got to be professional, and I think the, the the word you've got to be is patient at the weekend as well. You know, we've got to, as as a fan base, you know, this isn't a side that's going to be playing free flowing football and leaving space in behind. This is a side that's going to make us have to show a bit, real bit of craft and patience to get in behind them and work chances. And it, I think an early goal for Liverpool would do the world a good, but. I think the other thing is, I mean, was it last year they, they they came and scored early at Anfield, and we can't really, we can't really afford that because if they do go a goal up and eleven men behind the ball, we we could be in for a uh, 
a really, really tough afternoon. It's... John, it's noticeable. One of the things that is noticeable, Paul mentions patience there. We scored the equaliser last season against them deep into the end of the first half, as though it had been a long toil in first half for them. We have a little sniff just before we score and then we score. And apart from that, it was a pretty stuttering first half performance from Liverpool having been 1 0 down. It, it is one for patience. I'm just sort of wondering what you think the move is. The manager said Mignolet will return. Yeah. He's also said Coutinho is in line for his first start of the season. What would what would you be looking to do if you were, uh, if you were Klopp in this one? Uh, I'd be looking to start Coutinho. I think. I think he looked. He he just didn't look match fit. He didn't look sharp, and I don't see the the way around that apart from starting him. Really, look, you can say, oh, I'll, I'll look to give him twenty minutes at the end when the game's dead. But if it's not, then you know it's you, you know I, I'd sort of rather he, he felt he started to feel his way into the game of football and and almost kind of you know resign yourself to the fact that he might have a first quite quite. A quiet first twenty thirty, but but then kind of get his way into the game. Whereas if we're throwing him on on seventy, because we looked worse after he came on uh, on Wednesday, so. and, and um, kind it's, of you thought got the impression he was trying to force it massively, John, all the time. Yeah, like he yeah. he was trying to force it from the point of view of firstly win the game for Liverpool, yeah. but secondly also the idea of nothing would help more than if I set someone up and it yeah. goes in. Or it, I'm just sort of thinking I agree with you in that you you know you let the idea of him maybe getting seventy off the basis that he doesn't therefore have twenty minutes where he's just trying to make it happen. Exactly. He gets to he gets to relax. Into the game. Yeah, relax into the game. So I'd look to start him, and I'd look to start him in the front three. I think because I'd, I'd be looking at it more, thinking we'll, we'll get him up there with with, with Salah and Firmino. I think I think that's a good option for me. I know that, I know the temptation would be to bring him into midfield because then you've got another attacking player and. Um, the midfield three has has been working perfectly from that point of view, but I just I just think it kind of gives you the move. Maybe um, it gives you the storage move on sixty or seventy if you've um, if. If, if you need to, I'm not quite sure that Oxley Chamberlain looks ready to start yet for Liverpool. I mean, we can't really judge him on the what, three minutes he was on the pitch last time. Um, but um, I think it's a big shelter to kind of to throw him into the front three. I think I think I'd rather go with with three who look like they've got a bit more of an understanding. I know Coutinho and Salah haven't played loads together, but they did bits in preseason and looked good. I thought there was there was there was. I think I'm pretty sure that Coutinho set Salah up for for one of his goals out in Hong Kong. I think Kong. it's two or three as yeah, well. Yeah, so, he runs on and heads, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I think so. I think I think looking for for kind of partnerships there would would make more sense to me to for them throwing Oxley Chamberlain, for example, in in a front three at this stage. Um, me, me Ox. Chamberlain temptation might be might be a midfield one, but uh, I, I would think he gets to start at Leicester. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with John as well. I wouldn't be overly rushed to put Oxley Chamberlain in. Um, the Coutinho one seems like a, a pretty obvious move with the, with the manager suspension. So I don't think there'll be an abundance of changes. I wonder whether you might see Andy Robinson take Moreno's place. Um, seems like you know, it seems like an age. It was a Crystal Palace he started. Yeah. So it seems like an age ago. It's, it's a month. It's in a month. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was the nineteenth. It was the nineteenth of August. It's the it's the sixteenth of September when we played the game. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe a change of left back and you might see maybe Alexander Arnold coming for Gomez. Yeah. So. I think there'll be a couple of changes, but the, the sort of changes you'll see from Liverpool all season now with this sort of depth. Is there a Milner at left back argument? Um, or do you just think that if you don't if you don't play if you, if you don't play Andy Robertson in this, what exactly is it that you're doing? Yeah, uh, there might be a Milner for Wijnaldum argument, or I think there might be a get Milner on the pitch because I don't really see the, the reasoning behind the fact he's not getting on the pitch. I, I do I do see it, you know, because I feel like he's committed to do left backs, and that's Moreno and Robertson. But at the same time, I don't, I don't really feel that like James Milner was this huge weakness we had. And I feel that we there's an argument that he probably captains aside on Tuesday night against Leicester. That, that, 
so maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know. I just feel, I feel like with him, you maybe lack something that that isn't obvious to see. If you know what I mean, there's a little bit of professionalism, a little bit of experience, all, all the sort of thing. Not necessarily uh, a footballer that to be, but maybe just well, we, one the side could do with. We had a long chat post match on uh, on Tuesday night, uh, John, and one of the things that we sort of pointed out was that last season Liverpool were playing. They were playing four three three, but there was five lads in there. Who, if you asked them what position they are, they'd probably play centre mid. And that there was yeah. three centre midfielders. There was Milner and there was Coutinho. And then then when Liverpool are having a lot of the ball and able to shift tempo in the game and not constantly just be thinking about right, how do we absolutely explode onto opposition sides every now and again? You know, there's lots and lots of positives to to Moreno's pace at left back as an example. It just struck, strikes me as an interesting thing that you know we have gone from that to very much three lads playing in centre mid who at times do sort of look like they could do with having another one, could do with having a mate. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, does that become Phil Coutinho if he's if he's if he's playing wide? Is is his natural indication to do that? I think on the left back thing, I think Moreno plays so well in the week. I think you'd be keen to to put him in there again. It should also be pointed out as well that his teammates look like they're enjoying playing with him, and I think that's something. Okay, I mean, because it's funny because ex-professional, ex-professionals can't wait to cut, put the beats in into Moreno, could they? But the lads who were actually out on the pitch, and I don't know whether there's a bit about he seems popular around the dressing room. Yeah, he's, he he's talked about the fact that Coutinho's his best mates and stuff like that. And look, you don't pick people because of that. But I would say, as well as how well he's playing from an attacking point of view, at least, also the fact that his, his teammates seem to enjoy the fact that they know he's going to be there and they know he's going to be there bombing on and it's helping the team. And so I think to go from that to... Let's go from that to Milner. Might be kind of a little bit too much of a change when when there's not enough other things going right. Okay, uh, I asked Tony about it before for a prediction, mainly just to maybe for a laugh. To be honest with you, um, I'm going to ask you two now. Though uh, Tony said three one, uh, Paul one nil, one nil. The first look like a horrible last five. That Paul, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm, I'm I'm disappointed in you because I don't see a free flowing. I don't see a free flowing thing whatsoever. I don't think Burnley will fashion will. Allow us to fashion that many chances. Um, I think it's. I think I genuinely think it's going to be horrible, Neil. Uh, the weekend. I'm sorry for that. That note to start your weekend, <laughs> listeners. But you know, it's uh, half seven on a Friday. Paul Seedy tells you how yeah. bad your Saturday afternoon is going to be. I'll pass it over to Mister Friday night in a minute. Now I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it's not going to be the the nicest game in the world to watch. And I think Sean Dice will do a, a cracking job on on making it difficult. Yeah, but one nil. Um, a one nil horror show from uh, from Paul Senior. Why even bother getting out of bed, John? What are you going with? Five nil. <laughs> <laughs> are you not going with? Are you going to go? With, should we just go with five nil? Yeah. Let's end the show with five nil, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much, Tony, coming on talking to us, Sean Rogers, and of course the two gentlemen in front of me. Paul Senior is much more Mr. Friday night than he acted just there, <laughs> but the man himself is in the house, John Gibbons. Listen, whatever you're doing this weekend across uh, Liverpool, Merseyside, or if you are listening to this as a podcast, you know all the stuff that we do: post match shows, previews, reviews, more gentle looks, more aggressive aggressive looks uh, and all the stuff that goes on. There's something great on the website this week from Gareth Roberts about how uh, Fenway Sports Group are viewed in Boston uh, as part of our tour on Rap Thread. Do see if you can check that out. It was out on Wednesday. It is the absolute business. Uh, any feedback on that will be terrific. Uh, but this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Just saying, go and have a great weekend. Sports Social Podcast Network.